Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, best-selling author and senior director of valuation services at CFGI, where I help my clients with their most important accounting and finance matters. This is the program where we dig a little deeper to understand what really matters most in business. And today we're going to be talking about leadership and leveraging your success factors. I'm pleased to welcome Erica Wexler, change facilitator and CEO, founder of Erica Wexler Transforms. Great. Thank you very much. Good morning. It's great to be here today, Dave. Great to have you. Erica, tell the audience a little bit about yourself, please. So my background in change facilitation came in quite a bit. I have had a journey along the way where I started as an inner city educator. And I took that journey along the way when I started to see the things that were sparking the kids and that made the biggest difference in terms of the path that they were on. And out of that journey came a lot of questions in terms of what we can do with this. We take that energy and we start thinking about how people take their career pathways from the early stages on to when they start to get taller. So my background has really been built upon designing a career around helping people facilitate change on individual levels, on team levels, on organization levels, and on very large-scale systems change levels. And that really helps with their communication. Really is the secret decoder ring to a lot of what I do, is helping people communicate differently with themselves, to communicate differently with one another, communicate differently with their clients, and communicate differently as they're presenting themselves consistently across their day-to-day game their day-to-day engagements. Yeah, yeah. communication <laughs> is certainly key. It was interesting it when you talk about your, your background um, with early education. Mm-hmm. So is it is it really true that you learn everything you need to know when, when you're like six years old, old people or older adults basically are just tall kids? Well, <laughs> so I wouldn't know if it's six, but I would okay. say that we definitely form our worldview by the time we hit six. So a lot of our personality traits, there is some data and some science. You get a whole other interview we could do. Okay, just we'll around do the science, time. Yeah, just, just around the science behind the fact that we do have a predisposition to our personalities and to who we are, and those are set pretty early in life. However, that doesn't mean that who we are is defined by the time we're six and all we do is get taller. If that were the case, the mistakes we make, the changes that we want to facilitate, why even bother if we're always going to be held to what we were doing when we were six or what we were doing when we were 20 or what we were doing when we were 40. So the biggest shift is that there are a lot of actions we can take to facilitate change and help us develop into this, the version of ourselves that we like the most Yeah. while using those strengths and our personalities as a guide. And so there's a combination of things. So yes, I, I, I use that all the time is we just get taller and all the behavioral stuff we have goes, you know, comes with us. And so the stuff that we're navigating in terms of a classroom when kids are eight or kids are 12 are the same exact challenges that we see in communication in corporate environments, in educational environments, in nonprofit environments. Because the one thing that's consistent across all of the industries and as we get taller is that we're filled with people yeah. and we're messy. Yes. So let's jump into that a little bit. So we, we, we talk about leveraging your success factors. Mm. So before we can really get yeah. into what, what that means, why don't you help us define what are success factors? Success factors are very unique to a person. I think one of the, I'm going to start with what one of the challenges are in terms of answering that question, which is a lot of people define success based on what other people have told them success is supposed to look, feel, and sound like. Whether it comes to your finances or whether it comes to the career path you take or whether it comes to what you own or whether it comes to the impact you're having. And for me, the biggest way to define success is to give yourself permission to define it for yourself. And that means you need a guide to figure out how you're supposed to define that. And for me, I go back to the Japanese concept. You may be familiar with the concept of Ikigai. And the Japanese concept of Ikigai talks about, it's that unique, it's like a Venn diagram. And it's that unique combination of 
what you're good at, what you love to do, what the world needs, and how to get paid for it. And that intersection is where the joy comes out. It's that piece about how do you wake up each day that motivates you and drives you, that internal behavioral motivation that doesn't come from what other people think you should be doing or the shoulds that you put on yourself. Yeah. So how does one get themselves inspired to head off to work today, for example, if they're headed to a job where maybe they're not getting the, the level of satisfaction that they're hoping for? And that is common. We've all oh, been yeah. there. Oh, I've yeah. been there many, you know, different Cor- times, and we're going to go through phases. I think it's, it's very unrealistic to think that we're always going to step into a day where it's constantly joyful and we love being there and everything is always great because that's shortchanging the learning curve of when things go sideways. So the question, if I believe I'm hearing you correctly, is how do you go into a day when things aren't so peachy? Yes. Right? When things are going a bit sideways and things aren't going so great. One of the strategies that I have found incredibly helpful is to take a step back and to look at your day through a much more lens of observation and science. Like, like you can look at it as, let me see what I can see. What's really happening here? And so it's about channeling your emotions rather than getting rid of your emotions. You know, we get frustrated, we get triggered. We're in an environment where people maybe we don't feel valued or we're not feeling like we can have the impact, whatever the, the challenge is that's making you feel like you don't really want to be, maybe you're just bored. If we look at it as a point of, well, I'm choosing to be here, that's a mindset piece. I am choosing to be here until I choose not to be. Then that's an action. And it's not a reaction where people are just doing things to you. So when we take responsibility that we're in a situation and we can decide whether or not we want to stay there. And if we do, then we need to choose to stay there and we can do it as a learning curve. We can use it as an experience where you can figure out what's not working and take the time to learn things about it or use that situation to your advantage of saying, well, what are the things that I'm seeing here that aren't working for me and why? And pay attention to it so that you can start to facilitate changes for yourself purposefully and get yourself into an environment or surrounded by people or a different career path that does serve you and brings out that joy. Yeah, being present. Being present and taking responsibility for the fact that you are in a situation and giving yourself permission and taking the responsibility that you can then change it. Got it. So that's kind of the, the, a theme, if you will, maybe for an individual that you might work with. Mm-hmm. How about the teams on the other side when you're inside an organization where maybe they're aware of uh, a disconnect, maybe they're not? <laughs> There's so it's such a blind spot that there is often a disconnect between the fact that people are so busy these days. And we have more information being thrown at us in one day than people did their entire lives in the Middle Ages. Now, granted, they lived until, what, 50, 60? So it's a little bit different. But that is a ton of information overload. And people are so exhausted and so busy in their day-to-day that the communication breaks down, that everyone is, is assuming good, in, well, we're not always assuming good intentions, but when we assume the good intentions and where they're doing our, our best job, well, you've got all of these competing priorities and the communication is breaking down. So you've got people in this division working on one thing and people in this division working on one thing and people in this division working on another thing. And teams are starting to get thrown together under the guise of being a team because that word has a lot better of a feeling to it than work group, which is really what's happening. A team involves working together and solving problems together and being aligned with the goal and the outcome that you're aiming toward. The challenge is that teams also require you to have relationships with one another that build over time. You have to build that trust. You have to really take the time to build it. You have to take the time to maintain it and you have to take the time to repair it. Not if, but when. 
things go sideways and our humanness comes forward and we screw up and we make someone feel some kind of way or that side of us that comes out when we're stressed out or we haven't had enough sleep or wondering a lot of deadlines comes out and that the, have you ever heard, I think about this as a spice rack. I don't know if, if other people are like me where you've got a spice rack and in the back of your cabinet, you have all these spices that you've bought over time. And for some reason, you've never gotten rid of them. So your favorite scent to be toward the front. But at some point, that spice rack spins around or you pull it to the front and you try it and it never really works really well, but we still have it. And I look at our, our personalities, I look at our skills, I look at our strengths as a blend of spice racks. And certain people, certain situations, certain environments are going to trigger that spice rack to spin around yeah. and bring out the sides of us that we don't respect. The sides of us that we know are whether it's we're cranky or we talk over someone or we think we're being a good listener, but we're just short and we're not as kind. And we all have those sides. They're going to come out. For me, this is where the teamwork starts to, to become a challenge because the question goes back to how does this look like in terms of teams? Well, when you've got a supervisor or a manager or a colleague or a CEO leadership who has those sides to come out and the trust hasn't been, there hasn't been the time to build up the trust or you're working virtually and you don't even know that person and it's coming across your IM or text or email and there's never been that time to actually build the team when things go sideways and when you're under a huge amount of pressure the trust gets is a lot harder to repair to build back up and people yeah. start to go another direction the respect gets lost and that's often when i get called we really do like each other we believe we're on the same page we just know that we're so concerned about getting all this stuff done that we haven't taken the time to cultivate the relationships yeah and things it gets harder Erica, for people who are watching and listening and want to learn more about you, how they can contact you, work with you, what's the best way for them to reach out? LinkedIn is my primary playground. I love LinkedIn. It's a great way to connect with me. You can also connect with me directly through my website, which is www.ericawexlertransforms.com. Great. I think we probably have about three minutes to go in this first segment, but I want to expound on something that you just alluded to when you talk about blind spots. Mm. So a lot of leaders put their work groups together in rooms and call them a team, and they're supposed to act in a cohesive fashion. But like you said, there's personalities there. There's different goals, desires, and roles and responsibilities. How does a leader really recognize and understand the importance of the cohesion aspect of a team rather mm -hmm. than go play nice in the sandbox, you're all professionals, and I expect you to get the job done? A lot of that comes with ensuring from a leadership perspective that there is alignment between what you're thinking, what you're saying, and what you're doing. And when there's misalignment between what a leader is saying, thinking, and doing, or what other teammates are thinking, saying, and doing, it definitely impacts staff morale, it impacts productivity, and it impacts engagement. So an example of that would be if someone is talking about really valuing their staff and really valuing their team and really wanting to make sure that relationships are cultivating, and at the same time, they're throwing deadlines at people without taking the time to communicate the expectations and the deadlines and the pieces, that's a disconnect between what they think they're doing and what they're saying that they're doing and what they're actually doing in practice. So there's a breakdown in that. When it comes to the blind spots, one of the biggest challenges is that we, we have blind spots in terms of being able to communicate our strengths and our success factors and our skills that we bring to the table. What is it that we want people coming to us for at work? What are things that we know that we can contribute to a team? If people don't know who we are, 
and we don't know who we are, how are other, we are supposed to assume that other people know who we are? And that's the second blind spot. So, well, let me finish that one first. So if you can't go down and list on a piece of paper right now, if I said, everyone right now, take out a piece of paper or your iPad or something and just write down the top five skills and strengths that you bring to the table. So there's the concrete skills of what we learned in school or it might be in your job description, like I'm really good at math. There's a couple of those. This other piece about, but what are your strengths? What are the characteristics that make you who you are? What do you most value, respect, and appreciate about yourself? That list should be 50. And I would say in most cases, including top leadership, most people don't take the time to think about that. That's a blind spot. Yeah. So sitting down and saying, I, I find in most cases, people struggle to get past three to five. I do this with teams all the time. So yes, in individual coaching, that's one thing, but I do this with team advancement where I have people start with themselves before they can start working with one another. What do you respect and appreciate about yourself? What do you value about yourself? What is it you want people to know about yourself? And what are you willing to share? Are you communicating that purposefully? Do people know that about you? Because the second blind spot that teams have and that leadership has is that we don't always know how other people really genuinely view us. And trust is based on other people's perception of our competence. And the perception piece is the tricky piece. We do not genuinely ever know how other people perceive us. We can, however, influence it. And we can start, if we want to be perceived in a certain way, that means that we need to be communicating things. And that means you also need to know who your colleagues are. You can't just go from your perspective. You need to think about your colleagues as well. So the second blind spot on a team is, are you able to clearly articulate what you admire, respect, and appreciate about your colleagues? And do you communicate that to them consistently and regularly and not just in an annual feedback review when you're talking about the work? So a lot of times if we think about that, what do I respect, appreciate, and admire? And this is really especially important with the ones who you don't get along with so well. And you have to work with them to get to the peace. You, we don't have the luxury of choosing our teams or choosing our colleagues and choosing the people that we work with. And the other challenge is that we, those things get flipped around really fast these days. Someone gets added on, someone leaves, different teams have to come together in different divisions. There's a new priority on the piece. A client wants something and they're looking for perspective and people have to form relationships really, really fast. And the best way to do that is to start thinking about how do I start all of my conversations from a place of respect? And when we can start respecting our colleagues with the same level of appreciation and respect that we do to our most important client or our most important personal friend, it looks, sounds, and feels very, very different when you start the conversation from a place of respect than when you start it from just the work. Yeah, changes your whole mindset, changes the emotion, changes behaviors. Yeah, totally totally get that. I think that's a really good spot to just take a quick pause here. We do have to take a commercial break. Uh, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole here and then have to stop. So we'll be right back on Behind the Numbers after this quick commercial break. Great. Add us on social media to watch bloopers, behind the scenes footage, previews, and more. I 
work 13 hours a day, six days a week. So when I'm off the clock, I gotta get stuff done. So when I need a snack, I need something healthy, tasty, and easy to eat. Like wonderful pistachios without the shells. They're protein powered, delicious, and great on the go. And that's perfect for me. Thanks, Liz. A woman without a lot of time. Whether you're a gourmet cook or just want to eat like one, visit Rostelli Market Fresh, your home for the freshest locally sourced ingredients to please everyone who loves great food. Our organic meats, quality seafood, and free-range poultry are cut fresh to order. Chefs create culinary-inspired prep foods made fresh every day, which pair nicely with our vast selection of fine wines and spirits. Choose from handmade pastas, artisan cheeses, organic produce, and grocery items, all from the finest purveyors. Rostelli Market Fresh, from our family to yours. RVN TV is a platform for people of any industry to share their story. Over 285,000 viewers are tuning in to RVN TV shows monthly. We guarantee a great experience that you'll be sharing with everyone you know while increasing your personal and company's brand awareness. But what is your brand? According to Forbes, it's a combination of your logo, your product, your design and feel, and your personality. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and today we're talking about leveraging your success factors with Erica Wexler, who's a change facilitator and CEO of Erica Wexler Transforms. Um, we talked about a lot of really good stuff in the first segment, Erica. I want to continue that, that thread, mm -hmm. but I want to talk about a book that you're working on. I am. Tell, tell us about what that is, what inspired you. This book Starts, so the work I do works with individuals, it works with teams, and it works with organizations and large-scale systems change. What we talked about in the beginning is that everything, however, starts with yourself. So you have to know yourself before you can expect what other people do. So the book that I've done is that I'm working on is about leveraging your success factors. How do you get as close as possible to your ikigai? How do you navigate the barriers that come up with strength and flow? How do you take advantage of opportunities? And then how do you shift things when they go sideways? So there's an entire piece about it, and there is a strategy. There is a model that can be used to map out a professional profile that you can use as a guide, as your personal compass, as you are creating, navigating, and shifting your career pathway. And so starting at the earliest stages or whether or not you're an experienced leader who's trying to figure out how to make sense of the multiple generations that are popping into the workforce nowadays and how do you really work together in the fast-paced, highly virtually collaborative environments that we're working in is starting to figure that out. So the book is a very simple strategic guide on doing some small activities that will allow you to figure out who you are, work with others, tap into your strengths, tap into the other people's strengths, and begin to really lift yourself up as well as lifting others up along the process to have the biggest impact you want to have in terms of your personal success. And this is written for individuals as well as leaders. It is so. written for both. So this is designed for somebody who may be just graduating from college. It may, I, I do this program. It's adaptable very easily. So I also do this with teams. So this is a lot of the core program that I do. The first book is written for the individuals. It's also a book that I use in mentoring programs. So a lot of companies and organizations have mentorship programs. So the mentors will use this book to work with their mentees to be able to provide a guide. And so by doing that work and doing the journey together, you can do it as a solo and you can do it together as a team. And then you can also use that book as a team 
so that as the individuals have done the work, you can then create a team strength plan or an organization-wide plan, which is great for startups, it's great for corporate, it's great for team divisions who are looking to how to figure out those individual strengths, what it is people are good at, what they want to know more, what kind of supports do they need in the workplace. And it's very research-based, so it goes a lot more than just that superficial, good. what are my strengths and you know, what do I right. think you should know about me? It's a much deeper dive. I have a behavioral background. I spent a lot of time as well uh, working with people with developmental disabilities. And a lot of these kind of the work that we did with people with autism or with intellectual disabilities to help them figure out their strengths and get them connected to meaningful employment opportunities that tapped into it has also inspired this. Yeah. Anything you can tell the audience about where and when they might be able to find it? Spring. 2020, connect to my website. It'll be announced there. there I will go. definitely be announcing it on LinkedIn. Those are the two easiest places right now to announce it, and it will be on Amazon. My publisher's right. in charge of all of that. Perfect. Yeah. Stay tuned. <laughs> More on that to yeah. come. So programs called Behind the Numbers, and as you know, I sometimes mm -hmm. go into the numbers with my guests, especially when we're talking about these kinds of topics. You know I'm a believer, you know I'm a fan, and you know I definitely subscribe to the idea that everything you're discussing here does impact a company's bottom line. From yes. your perspective, from your experience, can you speak to the ROI of the proper communication building teams and the other aspects of what you do day to day? Yes. So from a behavioral perspective, when people are really motivated and they feel seen and heard and that they feel valued and that they are, they also feel respected. I mean, that's the most important feeling inside of an organization is that you feel respected and that your contributions are making a difference and that there is alignment in those pieces it absolutely, absolutely increases self-motivation and productivity. And when these things break down, people become, they start to drag their feet. They start to slow down on where the priorities are. They may get it done, but it may not be done to the quality that it could be done to. And all of that short changes, the engagement with your clients, the engagement with the bottom line, the engagement to everyone else, whatever your service or your, or your product is that you're doing, it's going to yeah. impact that. So eventually the organizations that are so dysfunctional internally end up having tons of time turnover, they end up having, which is very expensive. Oh yeah. If you really think about that, and I will tell you now, the generations that are coming out now, I'm an advisor to the Center for Millennial Engagement here in Philadelphia. And one of the things that we see all the time is that people are really approaching their careers very differently. They're not looking to take a position where they are automatically assuming they're going to stay for 10 years, much less 30 years anymore. So... Organ and companies aren't catching up to that. So we've got that constant turnover. However, when people feel valued, when the feedback processes are based on concrete strategies that don't avoid the hard conversations, that don't avoid the conflict, that don't, in the terms of being nice, you know, shortchange the fact that these conversations need to happen, when people invest in the time to give people the communication tools and consistently prioritize emphasizing that it's important that people are accountable for using that and they are investing in that return. They're investing in their people. They're investing the time and the resources, which putting a few dollars into training or coaching for your teams and really investing your time of having a meeting with your team where they're working on strengths for five minutes of the agenda before you start with the work. Yeah. And you really take the time to learn that it's really important to motivate people by praising them behind the scenes privately and really doing it purposefully. And it's very specific to something that you know that person 
believes is a strength or a skill or a value, they're going to stay. Yep. They're going to remain more loyal to the to you. They're going to remain more loyal to the organization, and they're going to understand their role in the company. And this is important if you are investing, whether it's in a call center or you're investing in your highest performing team or you're investing in your leadership or you're investing in the interns who are just making their way through and you're looking for the top talent you can hire and you want them to stay. Turnover is expensive. Yeah, no question. Very expensive. And then the amount of exhaustion that comes with having to bring someone up to speed. And so often what happens is the most qualified supervisors and managers who tend to be the ones who stick the longest are dealing with the pressure up and down and sideways and, yeah. and you know, that whole navigating and leading from the middle, it's, it's a thing and it gets very exhausting. So when they feel, I have supervisors who have been in their field for 20 years and 30 years who are still showing up to trainings because they haven't given up hope that things can get better and then they can differently and better support the people who they're charged of support with and that they can form better relationships with the people on the same level as them. And they can influence that up because they still believe that leadership wants to listen and wants to care. When that stops happening and people stop advocating for that, it's a bigger problem. It will impact the bottom line eventually. Yep. Erica, for folks watching, listening, want to work with you, want to learn more about you, how can they reach you? I would say the easiest way to reach me is you can shoot me a text or give me a call at 215-315-3251. You can also, again, connect with me on LinkedIn and shoot me a message on there. I'm very, very accessible and responsive as well. I also have a contact form on my website at www.ericawexertransforms.com. Great. And by doing that, by getting connected with you, we'll all be able to find out when your book is going to be available as well. I'm so excited. Cool. This has been, it's just a really juicy, it's just, it's so aligned with the challenges in the work that I had. Yep. I mean, years ago. Oh, I, anyway, that's a whole other, that, that's a big story. We only have about two minutes to go oh, here. Okay. So I'll I, save I, that story. I, I want to ask you on behalf of all the people watching and listening who believe in everything you said, want to show mm-hmm. up at work tomorrow and bring their best self, but they work for somebody who thinks that people are fungible. You're all just a bunch of widget makers and just shut up and do your job. Stay in your I, lane. I can, yeah, stay in your lane. I can replace you tomorrow. You're, you're easily replaceable. How do they impart what you just described, that that wisdom and awareness to somebody who may not recognize it. And maybe even from a top-down perspective, how do how do top managers mm-hmm. find out those people who have those values? Well, first, they have to recognize that those values are ones that you want to bring to the surface. Because once you do, you have to figure out what you're going to do about it. If they're a top performer, as a leadership and CEO, you need to decide which value is more important to you. And then just be consistent. And if your value... With the, the value with the people is more important. You can you can ask the team. You can ask the people. If you start paying attention, you can see it. People show you their true colors all the time. I would say for the individual, at regardless of what level they're in in their organization, whether they are a CEO or at a C-level who are working with other C-level staff and there's a disconnect, or you're a supervisor or a manager, or you're an individual at any layer of the organization, is to start with a mindset of knowing who you are and choosing to engage with integrity and respect across all of your engagements and situations because ultimately what matters the most is that you're sleeping well at night. And other people's inability to see your worth and your value does not diminish your worth or your value. Yeah, I've seen that on a bumper sticker, I think, right? It's all over, yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's probably. worth repeating, yeah. It's worth repeating. It is in other people's perspectives is simply a perspective. 
it tells you what they believe, what their values are, what their preferences are, what their expectations are. And then you get to decide if that's valid for you, if they are a valid source of feedback for you, then pay attention and do the work and make some shifts and change to get closer to what that looks like. If you're not really having, like I said, it's a blind spot. We don't always know how we're impacting others or how other people perceive us. And at the same time, we show up each day and do the best we can with what that's given. And we take advantage of that situation that we're in. And we show up each day with a sense of, this is how I want to engage. This is how I show up as my best self. And ultimately, that is the only thing that we can really control. Yeah, you're taking back your power. Take back your power. Yeah, that's I, right. I think that's a great message. And, and I yeah. thank you so much for joining us here today. This is great. The thank you so much for having me as a guest. This was very fun. It has been a lot of fun. And thank you for watching and listening to Behind the Numbers. If you like what you heard, please hit the subscribe button so that you can stay up to date on future episodes of Behind the Numbers. And if you'd like to learn more about me or like to be a guest, feel free to reach out to me after the program. I'm Dave Bookbinder. You can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll see you next time on Behind the Numbers. Take care, everybody.